0: We are honored this morning to have a guest speaker. Dr. Craig Altrock will be presenting the gospel to us this morning. Uh, Craig's bio indicates that he has received his education at uh, Lubbock Christian uh, from Harding School of Theology, and so he is appropriately identified to us as a doctor. Uh, But from meeting with him for a few minutes this morning, I expect we'll be better blessed by his experience in uh, sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ with people in other parts of the world. Craig is associated with uh, Let's Start Talking, which is a ministry in our fellowship that uh, helps people, people like us, to participate in uh, mission trips to many parts of the world and has associated programs that will enable us as Christians to use our English language skills to make contacts with other people. About uh, 1980, a little after 1980, this congregation uh, started a more formal of, uh, foreign missions program, and we have been at it now for 30-plus years. About the same time, Let's Start Talking started as a ministry in our brotherhood, and uh, we can learn much, I'm sure, from what our brother has to present to us this morning. Thank you.
1: Well, good morning. We're here all right? Is that on? Okay, very good. Well, it's a pleasure to be here. My wife, Leslie, is here. You'll You'll do best to meet her and talk to her. For sure, but we're really glad to be here, came up from the Fort Worth area, such a a beautiful area here, just wonderful. We've got three boys, uh, and um, our oldest is leading worship this morning uh, down in Fort Worth, so he couldn't be here with us. He's a student at Pepperdine, uh, going into his sophomore year. And then we've got a high schooler and a middle schooler, and you can't blame them for not coming because their choice was, uh, hey, do you want to come travel with your parents and listen to your dad preach, or do you want to stay home? by yourself, unsupervised, with food in the refrigerator. That's, that's, you, it doesn't take, that's not really a decision for a middle schooler or a high schooler. So don't hold it against them or us that they aren't here. But of all the things that Leslie and I do, we're uh, maybe most most proud of them. So love our boys. Uh, well, we do work for the Let's Start Talking ministry. Leslie and I have been doing that for about 18 years, at least paid to do it for that long. and been involved a little bit longer. We send three or four hundred people a year on short-term mission projects around the world, about 60 different mission sites, 30 different countries around the world, and then we work with dozens of churches in the U.S. and Canada who are reaching out to non-native English speakers in their in their own communities. So we're really thankful for the opportunity to connect with, with such a great church and hopeful that we can find ways to encourage you to keep doing the good things that God's put on your heart to do already. Uh, when Chris, I asked Chris, you know, how, generally, how long does the preaching go here? And he said, as, as long as 60 minutes. And so I said, well, I'll keep it to 45. So, uh, no, he, uh, it'll be considerably less than that. But, uh, I, you know, sometimes when you have a guest speaker, you're always wondering, how, how long is that going to, is he going to go there? So I, I'm trying to be culturally appropriate here. So I tried to ask the right questions before coming up. Well, if you've been around the block a few times, uh, you, you know the Andy Griffith Show. Uh, if you have access to Netflix or some other streaming device, you, maybe you know about the Andy Griffith Show. So in one of the classic episodes, uh, Andy's out of town, and so uh, he's left his deputy, Barney, in charge. And for some reason, Barney deputizes the town mechanic named Gomer. And so the two of them are walking around town one evening, and they just happen to come across a bank robbery in progress and they're both scared to death, so they just duck behind the car and Gomer looks at, at Barney and says, Well, we need to do something. We need to call the call the police. And Barney looks back at him and he just says, Well, we are the police. And you know, sometimes when you look around your neighborhood or your city or or the your country or your world and you see it everything that's happening, it's tempting to say, Man, I wish I wish somebody could do something about that. I wish somebody could do something about the bad things that are happening or the bad people that are around. Or I wish somebody would take advantage of all the good opportunities that are right in front of us. And scripture is so good to remind us and to really call us to know that we are in just the right position, just the right situation to join God in what he's already doing. And so I want to just talk with you for a few minutes about that, about joining God in what he's doing in the world. And we're going to use for lenses the story of uh, Jesus joining these disciples in uh, Luke 24 as they're walking on this road to a town called Emmaus. So as you approach this story in Luke chapter 24, something of, of cosmic proportions has just happened, and we've We've hinted at it, we've talked about it already some this morning, that Jesus has been resurrected. Huge event. It's affecting all of creation, but instead of panning out with his camera, Luke zooms in on these two would-be dejected followers of Jesus as they walk on this dusty road to Emmaus. And when you come across this story, at first it seems like it might just be some filler before Luke gets to the more important parts of the post-resurrection story, that Jesus is just doing something curious here as he talks with these two guys. But I'd like to suggest that what we see here is not just a curious story of Jesus walking kind of incognito before revealing himself to a larger and maybe more important post-resurrection crowd's I'd like us to consider the possibility that Jesus, in this simple interaction, is modeling for us what the church's engagement with the world can look like now that the resurrection is reality. This isn't just the story of two random disciples meeting Jesus. It's the story of the church on mission with God to the entire world. So if I'm right, I think it would be good to read through part of this story and see what God's saying to us about our own engagement with him in his mission. So let's read together. That same day, two of Jesus' followers were walking to the village of Emmaus, seven miles from Jerusalem. As they walked along, they were talking about everything that had happened. And as they talked and discussed these things, Jesus himself suddenly came up and began walking with them, but God kept them from recognizing him. Well, one of the first things I love about that story is that Jesus joins them on their journey. Doesn't Jesus have a lot more important places to be? Aren't there a lot more places that he could be calling people to him now that he's been resurrected? Well, well sure. But for some reason, before he does the big things, Jesus joins these two guys on their journey as they're headed to Emmaus with disappointment. So he joins them on their journey. He goes to where they are. And that seems to me to be a pretty important principle when it comes to joining Jesus on his mission in the world. We need to be where people are, not just invite them to where we are. Of course, it's good to invite people to worship, to come to special events. But it's critical that we then are joining them in their journey. Sometimes that means literally going to where they are, going to where they live, to where they work, to where they play and have fun. Sometimes it means finding out what's important to other people first before we tell them what's important to us. And almost always it means building relationships that are less dependent on how much we agree with each other and more dependent on how much we're willing to love others unconditionally. I love the fact that these guys are walking and Jesus joins them and they just continue walking, that idea of of journey, of process, of going together because I think it reminds us that faith development and growing in faith is a lot more like growing a vine than it is microwave popcorn. And let's start talking, the main thing that we do is offer people in the community the chance to practice conversational English using Scripture to do that. And so we're working with people who may not be interested in Bible study or scripture, but they're interested in in help with their conversational English. And so instead of having a Bible study, we just have a conversation, but we try to plant one idea, and we call it a seed thought, a seed thought. And I like that language because it reminds us, uh, for one, of the different roles that we have in helping people come to faith. All of us can plant seeds. We can always plant a seed in the life of another person. We can't always make it grow. I think scripture is pretty clear that that's something that God does. We can nurture, we can create environments where faith might grow, but God is the one that makes faith grow. We can plant seeds, but it also reminds us that faith is a process, that that most often people come to faith and they grow in faith through a process. One of the first things that Leslie and I did when we got involved with Let's Start Talking is get involved in mission work in Ukraine. This was in the early 90s, and a lot of Eastern Europe had just opened up. And the church we were attending in Memphis was doing a lot of work in Ukraine. And so Leslie and I took a Let's Start Talking team uh, to Ukraine for four summers in a row. We were involved with their campus ministry. So one of our friends, David Skidmore, went one year to a smaller town named Belitserkva, Ukraine, And he read with a college student named Kostya. And they read for about six weeks, just reading the book of Luke together, having conversations about it together. And at the end of those six weeks, Kostya was not really ready for much more than he had been ready for when he started these conversations with David. He wasn't really ready to make some kind of faith commitment or change something about his life. It was just a good experience with, with an American friend. Well, David came home, and uh, email wasn't quite on track everywhere in the world just then, so they kind of lost track of each other. So 10 years later, 10 years after that trip, David is uh, in Memphis, Tennessee. He walks into a church building, and he sees their mission. they've got a bulletin board, a missions bulletin board, and he walks over to it, and he starts reading the things that are there, and he sees a picture, and he recognizes the guy in the picture, so he starts to read what's under there. He realizes this guy's name is Kostya. And he realizes this is the guy that I read with 10 years ago in Bielitsar for Ukraine. And so David finds out the rest of the story. Kostya eventually did become a Christian. Kostya then decided he wanted to do something in ministry and in church work. And then he found out that Kostya actually was now the preacher for the same church that had invited David 10 years ago, to do Let's Start Talking. And actually, Kostya is still there preaching and working with that church in for Ukraine. And I love that story because it's just a reminder that, that when you join other people on their journey, God can use that over time to make a real difference in their life. Well, it goes deeper. This story goes even deeper than that. Because not only does Jesus join them on their journey, but Jesus joins them in meaningful conversation. So let's keep reading the story. Jesus asked them, What are you discussing so intently as you walk along? They stopped short, sadness written across their faces. Then one of them, Cleopas, replied, You know, you must be, that's my translation, You know, you must be the only person in Jerusalem who hasn't heard about all the things that have happened there the last few days. Well, what things? Jesus asked. He must have been smiling. The things that happened to Jesus Remember, they don't know it's Jesus there with them. The man from Nazareth, they said, he was a prophet who did powerful miracles, and he was a mighty teacher in the eyes of God and all of the people. But our leading priests and other religious leaders handed him over to be condemned to death, and they crucified him. Well, we had hoped he was the Messiah who had come to rescue Israel, and this, this happened three days ago. And then... Some women from our group of his followers were at his tomb early this morning. They came back with this amazing report. They said his body was missing and they had seen angels who told them that Jesus was alive. Some of our men ran out to see and sure enough, his body was gone just just as the women had said. Well, that's another thing I love about the story. The first two times Jesus has an opportunity to speak in the story, he is so restrained and this is a time when all of creation is just ready to shout out something about the resurrection of Jesus and yet the first two times Jesus has a chance to talk to these guys all he does is he asks questions I love that I think it's so great he's got a destination in mind but he wants to get to it gently and you know I think Christians ought to be some of the best conversationalists in the world Not that we're so full of tidbits of information that people are always coming to us because we know this and we know that. Some of you are like that already, and that's pretty fun to be that way. But what what I mean is that of all people, we ought to be able to guide conversations along lines of meaningful topics. And maybe that means we ought to be asking more questions than just telling other people what we think. That ought to start with the way we talk with each other, I think. You know, there are certain Christian traditions today in the broader Christian world where when they gather in small groups, one of the first questions they ask each other is, how is it with your soul? And that's kind of an awkward question to ask, but I appreciate the goal there to try to get deeper than just, so how are you? How was your weekend? What's going on in your life? To get a little bit deeper. Of all the people in our neighborhoods, we ought to be the ones asking each other questions like, how are you growing in your faith? How's your marriage? What are you doing these days to grow closer to your kids? How are you doing in the area of purity? What kind of temptations are you facing at work? Because if we don't ask these kind of questions to each other, nobody else is going to ask these questions. I mean, when you go to the grocery store and you check out, the person that's taking your money isn't going to say, hey... Thanks for shopping at Walmart, and by the way, how's your faith today? Uh, when you call the city to pay your utility bill, they're not going to take your money and then ask you about your spiritual growth. Your hairdresser isn't going to ask you, although I might take that one back because some of you probably have a hairdresser that does ask those kind of questions. Uh, commercials on TV, they're not going to ask you those questions. Your friends at school, they're probably not going to ask you those questions, and you know, next week at work... Most of you are not going to be called to a staff meeting where you go around the table and talk about what you've done that week to nurture your faith. That's just not going to happen. So we ought to be asking those questions of each other. I think that would be a good thing. But it's not just about us, is it? It's not just about us. People in our neighborhoods are hungry for these kind of conversations. Conversations that go deeper than politics and weather and hobbies. You know, I mentioned that in Let's Start Talking, we use Scripture as a basis for the conversations. And a lot of people that are coming in for those sessions don't really want that. Uh, and sometimes they just tolerate the fact that we're using Scripture for conversations. They tolerate it, one, because we're giving them something they want, which is help with conversational English. But i tell you another reason that people uh, are willing to put up with Scripture. It's because it generates meaningful Conversations about life, about the deeper things in life. A couple years ago we were in Spain, our family was doing Let's Start Talking, and I was working with a guy from South America that was living there, and he came in almost every day. So almost every day for three weeks. He's coming in, we're reading scripture, he's practicing his English. I'd say he's a nominal believer. Had some faith, but it wasn't very active in his life, and he didn't have a faith community to belong to. And at the end of the project. Uh, we were having a party just a social event he came over to leslie and he said you know i just loved these sessions i loved because every time i'd come in we'd talk about english and he loved english he loved language and all the intricacies of different languages so he said i loved uh, talking about all these things but when i went home i couldn't stop thinking about the topics that we talked about he was hungry for meaningful conversation something deeper And so when we join others in meaningful conversation, we're joining Jesus in his mission. But it goes even deeper than that, because not only does Jesus join others in their journey, not only does he join them in meaningful conversation, but Jesus joins them to the word. So let's read the rest of this story. Then Jesus said to them, You foolish people, you find it so hard to believe all that the prophets wrote in the scriptures. Wasn't it clearly predicted that the Messiah would have to suffer all these things before entering his glory? Then Jesus took them through the writings of Moses and all the prophets, explaining from all the scriptures the things concerning himself. But by this time, they were nearing Emmaus, and at the end of their journey, Jesus acted as if he were going on, but they begged him, stay the night with us since it's getting late. So he went home with them. And they sat down to eat and he took the bread and he blessed it. He broke it and he gave it to them. Suddenly their eyes were opened and they recognized him and at that moment he disappeared. And they said to each other, didn't our hearts burn within us as he talked with us on the road and explained the scriptures to us. Well, this is perhaps the part of the story where we say, duh, of course Jesus would join them to the word. That's what Jesus does. I mean, who else is going to join them to the word than Jesus and I agree but I want to just camp out here for a moment to remind us of the power of scripture to generate faith and I don't mean scripture as taught from a pulpit or scripture as taught in your classroom I just mean the power of scripture to generate faith even in the the hearts of people who are non-believers So I want us to read three passages here. I'm going to read it in the message because some of you know these scriptures and I don't want you to just hear the same words and just tune out. Some of you maybe have never come across these scriptures and I want us all to notice what they say about the power of God's word. So Hebrews. God means what he says and what he says goes. His powerful word is sharp as a surgeon's scalpel, cutting through everything, whether doubt or defense laying us open to listen and obey. Nothing and no one is impervious to God's word. We can't get away from it no matter what. How about Isaiah 55? I don't think the way you think, and the way you work isn't the way I work, says God. For as the sky soars high above the earth, so the way I work surpasses the way you work. And the way I think is beyond the way you think. Just as rain and snow descend from the skies and don't go back till they water watered the earth, doing their work of making things grow and blossom, producing seed for the farmers and food for the hungry, so will the words that come from my mouth not come back empty-handed. They'll do the work I sent them to do. They'll complete the assignment I gave them. And then at the end of John's gospel, John just saying, hey, here, here's why I wrote these words about Jesus. So John says, Jesus provided far more God-revealing signs than are written down in this book. These are written down, so you'll believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and in the act of believing, have real and eternal life in the way he personally revealed it. That sense there that if you would just read Scripture, you might come to faith. God's Word's powerful, and and we've seen it over and over again, not just from what we read in Scripture, but from seeing people encounter it. Wendy is a friend of ours. She came to the U.S. from China, went to school some at ACU, and actually uh, left ACU to get away from all the Christians. So she moved to Dallas and just started working. And uh, one day, one of her friends saw a sign for Friendspeak. Friendspeak is is let's start talking just done domestically. It's when a church is reaching out to international friends in their neighborhood. So her friend said, hey, I saw this program called Friendspeak. It's to help people with their English. I thought you might be interested in it. So Wendy said, yeah, I'm kind of interested. She signed up for it. She got connected with a guy named David Woodward, Christian from Dallas. And they started reading the book of Luke together. And they read for quite a long time. It didn't do much for Wendy. But one day, for whatever reason, they got to the story. Uh, There's a story about a banquet in the book of Luke. And in the story, people are being invited to the banquet, but they're just giving excuses for not coming. And for whatever reason, Wendy realized something about that story. She said, I realized that that was me I was making excuses. I wasn't giving God a chance. So she said, I decided to go back to the first story in Luke, to Luke chapter 1, and start reading those stories again as if those stories were written to me and for me. And she did that, and slowly she came to faith, and she became a Christian. And actually, she ended up marrying David Woodward, so I don't know if that's the side track to friend speak, the dating thing, or not, but anyway, she ended up marrying David Woodward, and they've got a family. And, but that's the power of Scripture, working in her life with a Christian friend. Well, we're almost done here. You know, when we join others to the Word, we're joining Jesus in His mission. Uh, but as we wrap up, I want to point out one other important piece of the story. When we start to mirror what Jesus is doing in this story, when we join other people on their journey when we join other people in meaningful conversation when we join people to the word to scripture when we do those kind of things that jesus was doing then there's this great promise at the end of the story that jesus himself joins us in what we're doing watch what happens here at the end of the story remember they've just walked all the way to Emmaus. And within the hour, they were on their way back to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 disciples and the others who had gathered with them who said, the Lord has really risen. He appeared to Peter. And then the two from Emmaus told their story of how Jesus had appeared to them as they were walking along the road and how they had recognized him as he was breaking the bread. And just as they were telling about it, Jesus himself was suddenly staying there among them. Peace be with you, he said. I love that too, that just as soon as these two guys start to tell other people about Jesus, then immediately Jesus is right there with them. And I think that echoes other promises that even Jesus himself made in the Gospels about being with us when we do the kind of things that he was about when he was on this earth. So when we join Jesus in his mission, when we join him in his mission, there's no place your foot is going to fall that Jesus isn't already at work. And that's going to be true for whether you pick the farthest, most remote mission spot you could even think of or ever heard of. It's also going to be true whether you walk across the street and knock on the door of your neighbor. Jesus is already at work there. And we're really just joining him in what he's already doing. As we're, as we're closing then, I would just put a question in front of you since that's what we're supposed to do here is ask questions. Where are you in the story? Where are you in this story? Maybe you're like the disciples at the beginning. Maybe you are here just disappointed. Disappointed in God. Not clear what he's doing. Wondering what's happened. Um, Disappointed. Maybe you're like the disciples further in the story where they they're starting to realize as they reflect that oh that was really Jesus with us Jesus was with us all along so maybe you're able to reflect on the week or the year or this season of life and realize you know Jesus has really been with me in some special ways and I I think I see that now or maybe you're like the disciples at the very end. You're, you're, you're sharing or you're eager to share. You're, you're eager to mirror what he's doing in the world. So where are you in the story? Well, wherever you are, wherever you are. If it would help you uh, in your walk to grow, to keep moving forward, if it would help you, then we've got this time reserved to respond. And so as we're, as we're standing, I know this is a, a regular part of what we do but it's good just to remind ourselves that it's here if it would help you to keep moving forward then as we as we stand as we sing the song then 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 you know you can come forward if that's too scary grab a friend that's next to you there's there are leaders all over this this auditorium that would be glad to help with you but if if you want to respond publicly then we've reserved this time for you to do that so let's stand and sing